Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Hello, welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. I'm Dan Bentley and I'm joined by Tracy Newman. Before we get into the show's content today, I'd like to do an acknowledgement of country. I'm actually on the road today. You might be able to tell by the quality of my uh, audio is, is not as good as my, uh, my usual microphone that I have in the studio, uh, but I'm up in Sydney at the moment uh, on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And I record here in Adelaide, and I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana as the custodians of the Adelaide Plains and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Great. So what, what we're going to talk to you about today is having a client-centric mindset in your organisation. So we talk a lot on this podcast about client-centricity. So much of the content that we're talking about is about being client-focused, but There are a lot of elements to being client-focused. There are things like having processes that collate data. There are other elements of it as well where you might want to like share decision-making on an ongoing basis and have those sorts of structures set up as a permanent thing to make it easy for your people. There's all sorts of different elements to delivering a great client experience, but where it really starts and where there's sort of the glue that holds it all together that you can't really have those other elements working properly unless you have this is really in the mindset and the culture of the people within the organisation. That's right. So without that, I guess that mindset underpinning all of those other activities, they almost become like ticker box exercises, but they don't actually really make a significant difference in the way that your organisation operates because you're you're going through the motions as opposed to when you start with that mindset around client centricity and its benefits, then that's what makes those other elements more successful and that's what leads to to real change that's meaningful within your organization yeah our clients that we work with that have the best client outcomes and the best client experiences when we work with them and we talk to them what we often find is is that they are doing things with the right intention behind them they, everybody's really on board with and understands why the certain things that they're doing are meant to be done that way and, and taken, I guess, seriously and delivered in the ways that they're meant to be done. And, and they buy into these standards, I guess, as well. There's other clients that we've worked with as well uh, where you might ask them through some sort of an assessment tool, do you do this sort of thing? And they'll all say, oh, yeah, we already do that. We already do that. But when you go in there, you realize they're not getting those same outcomes as these other organizations are. And that difference is often that client-centric mindset, whether it's there or not. Yeah, I think one of my favourite ways of, I guess, the the demonstration of what not to do is, I don't know if you've ever seen them, is those like TikTok videos or videos that you see on Instagram where you've got the staff member at a, you know, well-known fast food restaurant sitting there, obviously in their lunch break or something, with a thick shake and actually just hitting the green smiley face on their electronic customer satisfaction metric sort of board, just sitting there continually hitting the green smiley face button. So, you know, that's what happens when you chase a result, but you don't actually have that mindset that underpins it. Because what's really important here is how people feel about the experience, not 
whether or not you get five green smiley faces to every <laughs> two orange faces. That's a great example. Hmm. All right. Well, we've got four different areas. Shall we take the, uh, the, the listeners through number one? Absolutely, yeah. So number one is having that organisational-wide understanding that focusing on clients is the way to improve the organisation rather than focusing internally. So it's really about making sure that everyone's on the same page and that they have that shared understanding that the way to really get success within the organisation is through that client-centric focus as opposed to, yeah, well, if we could only get all of the perfect numbers in this report and if we could only get this form filled out, that that's what's going to lead to greatness in our organisation. Yeah, it's a good one, this one. And, uh, you know, you see this flat in a lot of different ways. The other one where I feel really goes against this mindset is that genius mindset where somebody thinks they are or somebody else is in the organization is a genius and that they and they're expecting them to come up with all the ideas that are going to make the organization more profitable or more successful in whatever way that is rather than listening to what customers want i remember i worked with somebody a while ago and we were working with them to go out there and, and speak to some clients and this person said to me no, look, you know, I make up the ideas here. You know, Steve Jobs didn't go and ask customers what they wanted. He, he came up with the ideas. And the first thing I was sort of said was, well, first of all, you're not Steve Jobs. Uh, <laughs> number two, uh, he had an absolutely amazing understanding of what the market wanted because he understood customers. Mm. So he didn't necessarily go to them for the ideas, but he really understood what people were, were needing. So, um yeah, not entirely true. But anyways, that is a real problem when we do think that we have all the answers or even if we don't have it from that sort of cocky, sort of arrogant perspective, it might be that we just put that pressure on ourselves to have all the answers um, because that's the culture of the organisation. So the best organisations that we see in this space, they're a little bit more humble. They sort of see themselves in these senior leadership positions as facilitators and what they say, instead of putting that pressure on themselves to be a genius, they say, you know what, we're actually going to get out of the office and we're going to, whether that be through data or whether that be through, you know, conversations or bringing people in for workshops, whatever that looks like, but they are constantly not just looking internally for answers, they are looking externally to those people that they're there to support and, and finding out what is really important to them. Absolutely. Because when you truly understand people, you can anticipate their wants and needs and you can play to their communication preferences. You can create um, meaningful experiences and build those lasting relationships, but you can't do that without that really comprehensive and in-depth understanding. And the best way to sort of build that understanding is to have conversations with people, ask them, learn about them, and and really have that sort of mindset of continually learning more and more about your clients. And Trace, we have this conversation all the time and we work in this space and we do a lot of stuff around client centricity, but how many times has it been that we've thought something was going to be a good idea and we've done it and that thing just hasn't done what we thought it was going to do. And then there's some other random thing that we kind of got as a suggestion from someone and we just tried that and it's absolutely gone gangbusters. You know, like there's, it just happened so many times that you just realize is that internally we are not our clients. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we just don't understand them enough ourselves. We need to be constantly working with them and getting that feedback from them to make sure that we're on the right track. 
Absolutely, which is probably a really good segue to the next pillar, I guess, if you like, within the client centricity mindset. And that is about really craving that client feedback and not just craving the feedback, but then proactively acting upon that feedback. Because hearing from people what's really important is just such an absolute gift. And it's so lovely when your clients care enough about your organization and the delivery of the services to provide you with that feedback. And when you proactively act upon it, it can make the world of difference. Want to improve your co-design skills and confidence? Join Tracy Newman, the co-host of this podcast and head of impact at Impactor Consulting for the Co-Design for Impact training program. In this training, you'll explore co-design from start to finish, learning how to understand diverse stakeholder needs and create innovative solutions. You'll also get access to the co-design workbook with essential worksheets and connect with like-minded individuals from the social sector. Act fast because this popular course fills up quickly. Secure your spot now by clicking the link in this episode's show notes or visiting impactoconsulting.com.au forward slash co-design for impact. Remember, co-design for impact is one word with no hyphens. Don't miss this chance to enhance your co-design skills. So we worked with an organization a while ago and they demonstrated this really well. Every single time we saw them interact with their client in the exact right time and in the exact right way, they would go out there and say, look, let's put something in front of their clients to get their feedback. And there was multiple ways they did it. It wasn't always a form. There's all these different ways. And the only way I could describe it at the time was that they were just craving your feedback. You know, they just really, they cared so much about making their organization better that they were just doing everything they could to make that comfortable for you, make that easy for you, make that meaningful for you. That there was the best version of that I've ever seen. I've seen lots of different versions of this in my time working with lots of organizations, but the way that they did that's one of the best. You know, where I've seen that where it doesn't look good is in some organizations where, you know, they send out a survey at the end of the interaction with you and it's some really like random interaction that you don't care about and they've just obviously been told that this is a good idea or, you know, one of the executives has said maybe we should do this and you're like, I've got nothing to, I don't really want to give these people feedback, why would I bother? You know, and there's that sort of thing or it also just feels like such a ticket box exercise for many other different reasons as well. I think and that doesn't feel like they really care about the feedback, it's just sort of happening as part of their process. I think that's what it looks like when it's not executed well. Yeah, and I think you also commented about they collected the feedback in different ways, in ways that felt meaningful to you know people providing it. I know sometimes you'll have an interaction and then you get sent a survey, and you know I like to provide feedback wherever possible because I this is what I do and I I get the value of providing it. But sometimes it feels like I have an unpaid part time job just to give people feedback and. Like I'm not really interested in doing that. I'm happy to provide feedback, but please don't give me a hundred questions to ask in five different ways. Like it, I will absolutely lose my goodwill after about ten questions. Like <laughs> no, yeah, there's no amount of goodwill that will get me to sort of persevere anywhere past that. And quite often, what happens is, yeah, people are just sort of collecting information for collecting information's sake, as opposed to collecting it in a way that suits the person who's providing it. And I think that's really, really important there. Yeah. The one that I had a laugh at when we were chatting uh, the other day, Trace, before we recorded the podcast was when you're talking about going to the service station and, you know, you've just literally walked up, you filled up your own car, you then walk in and you just go to tap your card 
Like, it's literally, that's the experience. And they're like, there's a sign saying like, hey, rate your experience today. It's like, what am I going to tell you? Like what, you know, like the petrol price was high. I'm going to give you a red face. Like, oh, it was low. I'm going to give you a green face. Like that's just a pointless interaction. There's nothing. What are you going to do with that information? It's like, it's like I've done most of the work myself. <laughs> and, and it's and really, I guess the thing that I wanted to give them feedback on was that my petrol's too expensive. And you know, sometimes you then think, oh, look, this poor mug that's actually working at the time. Like, I don't want to give them a bad rating because my petrol was too expensive, and and then have the cashier who's done everything really well within their power get a black mark against their name because I've given them a red smiley face. But really, like, that's actually what's really important to me when it comes to petrol. And so, yeah, there's no context. And, and it, like you said, it's, it's not even an experience that they've delivered. I've done most of the work myself. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, I think that's the thing is, like, you know, make sure that that feedback is, is craved across the organisation. Again, this is a mindset. We're not talking about having feedback mechanisms on this particular podcast. It's the mindset that we crave feedback other than we're not doing it for other reasons such as ticking a box or because it's cool, like those sorts of things, that people actually want this because they see that it makes the organisation better. The other thing that we see as well around when people don't crave feedback is when they're scared of feedback. If you have a culture where people get in trouble for stuff all the time, then people will not crave feedback. They'll be scared of feedback. So you need to always have that really psychological, safe, warm environment where people can see feedback as a way of learning rather than getting told off for, for doing something wrong. Yeah, and I think that's where that proactively acted upon makes a big difference because I think it's easier when you get feedback that's perhaps, you know, a little more challenging to hear if you can then see how that leads to a better delivery of client services in the future. So, you know, we're all happy to, you know, perhaps hear something that we don't love hearing if we know that it serves for the greater good and that things change as a result and that, you know, you can take those experiences that perhaps aren't ideal for people and turn that into a better organisation, then that's what really drives some of that craving of that feedback because people can see that it really makes a difference. Yeah, I like it. Hmm. All right, number three, client insights drive strategic decisions. Yeah. So this is where we are not just using numbers for example, to make our strategic decisions. We're getting client information, client insight through a number of different means. It can be that more quantitative stuff, so it can be numbers. That's fine. But it also should be a combination of that and also what people are saying and understanding what people, you know, that there's needs of those people. And there's lots of different ways you can do it. But from a mindset perspective, it's that that needs to be in your mix of decision-making information. And that starts with valuing that information as a starting point. Absolutely. What I love is when you have those client insights, it makes that decision-making process really easy. And it's no longer whose opinion wins. <laughs> it becomes like, well, what are the insights telling us? What do our clients really need? What, what's important here? What does the data say? And it enables you to make much better quality decisions because it's not just he who speaks the loudest wins, it's actually, you know, using that data and having an informed approach to your decision-making. Yeah, that's true. That's a quick one. Mm -hmm. uh, and the final one is an intimate understanding of different client types the organisation supports and their differing needs. Mm. 
Yeah. One of my favorite sayings was for a long time there, you know, if all you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I think that can really apply here as well, where if you only understand what one type of client wants, then everyone gets that, whether that works for them or not. Whereas this is actually about sometimes there are more than one type of client. Sometimes there are a number of different types. Uh, Sometimes there may only be one preference amongst your client group, but it's about actually understanding whether or not that's accurate and then using that again to make really important decisions throughout your organization. Yeah. And this is about being curious, I think, from a mindset perspective here. So it is about being curious around the different types of people your organization is there to support, what might be the differing needs between different types of people and and different interests of those people or where they're located or their backgrounds, sort of thinking about all those different elements and and trying to understand, I guess, does that have an impact on what they require from us? And if so, what can we do? Yeah, um, and I think one of my favorite examples of this is when we did some donor journey mapping and we we started at the beginning with different client demographics and different ways that these donors came to the organization. And then when we actually uh, went through and did that work with the organization, we realized that they had two different types of donors, one that liked to get lots of communication and the other that didn't. But it just goes to show the value of understanding what people's needs are and using that to drive the way that you deliver you know, services or communications or whatever, rather than the sort of standard easy piece, which is often, you know, we divide people based on demographics because that's easy to understand, whereas the differing needs is a far more effective way of, you know, making the services really work for people. Yeah, that's so true. So there you have it. There's the four different mindset areas that we wanted to talk to you about. Like we sort of said at the start of this uh, podcast that, uh, you know, you you can have all the fancy systems and processes in the world around client centricity, but if you don't have the right mindset, that curiosity around understanding the different the differences between your clients, that commitment to be thinking about using that data and as part of your strategic decision-making and all those other elements we spoke about, It's really hard to execute those well. You really need to have the whole organization focused on the client to be able to really pull that off and and get that culture and so that your clients end up actually receiving the benefits of that way of thinking. So we hope that was helpful for you. Trace, as always, a pleasure. And we'll catch you all on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.